Good morning, Father. I do ask that you get me out of your way, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to uh, communicate your truths, that everyone here would get it, and then want to do something with it, so that you would be glorified, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Prepare yourselves for the brain-stretching conclusion to this Bible-centric message. TheSpeakingDeacon.com. Truth is here. All right. Now, over the last eight weeks, this is the eighth week, uh, we're wrapping up a topical series called Meta Narratives or basically Young Adult Books. This is the last one. And uh, just so you know, future advertising, we're, next week we're going to do a short series on creation versus evolution. We're going to look at the science behind it and the evidence and to train and pr- equip your minds because you're going to go to school and even just last week they found another missing link or so they think of some busted up bone somewhere and they say that's your grandmother. That's not very nice. But anyway, it's also not very scientific. And the only reason they're trying to tell us all that that's our grandparents is because they're, they hate God. It has nothing to do with the science. And we'll look at that objectively. Okay? In the next four weeks, we'll do a short series on that. We're going to come into Halloween season, and I'm going to do a short series, maybe one or two, on zombie hunting. Very colorful. You want to be here for that? And it'll be appropriate even for children. There will be nothing scary up on the screen that will, you know, I'm making sure the sensitivity level is for kids so that it'll be safe. And then from there, we're going to go into a series on Jesus Christ. And what, what is he? What is he about? How does he play in the Godhead? What is that role? Heading right into Christmas time. Sound good? And we have room for other things in there like a Thanksgiving sermon and whatnot like that. So we're wrapping up this particular series and called Meta Narrative, and Meta Narrative means everybody the big story. What's the big story? And again, the Bible's filled with lots of big stories, and the biggest story of all is that God made us for a purpose. And this purpose is greater than what we're necessarily seeing in our daily grind. We'll get into that in details. And it just really comes into some awesome stuff. Now, in the scriptures, one of those stories is what God does with human beings. What's the, why are we here? What's this all about? And so, that's what we're going to look at. Now, one thing that's been very popular is the young adult books. And the reason young adult books hold true to adults as well as young adults is because when people are looking for meaning and purpose in their life, all right, they want to know, you know, what is life all about? Is there a higher meaning? Are we just ants on an ant hill and we just do our little busyness until someone comes up and squishes us or a rainstorm or something? Is it greater? Is it bigger than that? Because, again, if you do believe in evolution, the best you can say is my life is a big cosmic accident and has no meaning and I die and go into an oblivion. I don't exist anymore. That's what evolution has to offer you. Even though it's anti-science, but that's, and that's what, you know, if that's being taught in the schools and that's what the grown-ups believe, who has hope in that? That stinks, right? Does that make anybody give warm, fuzzy feelings? 
well, yeah, I'm glad I'm a meaningless cosmic freak of an accident and statistically shouldn't be here. That doesn't give anybody hope, all right? But it's not about hope. The reason it doesn't give us hope is because it's not true. It's scientifically not true. It's rationally not true. It's logically not true. It's not true. What's true is you are specifically designed before the creation of the universe. You have a particular purpose in mind that God set in motion. That is true. And that should give you hope. So in all these young adult books, that story is in there. The daily grind, the person's wondering if there's hope, and then they begin to realize through some adventure that there is hope and they have a meaning and a purpose, and all these exciting things begin to happen. Now, that's what makes all these books. That's the same story arc of every one of those books. That's why they're popular. And um, we're going to look at some of these The last chapter of these eight chapters is Embrace Your Purpose and Call. We're going to review these. The Daily Grind of Life, The Invitation, The Discovery of the New World, What's Really Going On, How You're a Part of It, There's a Big War, and that You Are Special, and You're Specially Called for It. Your old friends don't like you doing that, so they leave you. You discover new friends who are special too. And then the final thing, by the end of the book, is the characters really embrace the call and move forward in it. And that's what we're going to look at. Now, chapter 8 is embracing this call. Now, let's look at some characters that um, from the popular book series who embrace their calls. First, we have Harry Potter, all right? He wasn't even done chapter 5 of his first book, and he embraced his call. He was loving life, enjoying his adventures, moving into it. He didn't look back. And some of you, as when you became new Christians, you didn't look back. You got it, and you, you took off. There, was no, there is no going back. But some, t- some people get it a bit quicker than other people. Then this girl uh, from the last movie that hasn't quite come out yet, in the first book, she kind of took the place of her sister in these horrible games. And then um, it turns out she's the, the, the emblem of freedom for this particular country. She's embracing her call. Not perfectly. There's some fighting going on, kind of like Jonah. All right, But she embraces her call. Very popular book series. And the last movie is coming out. So this is happening right now, this year, of this girl. You all know what this girl is? Hunger Games, y'all heard of that? That's okay, the younger people have, and uh, the 30s and 40s have as well. So there's something going on there. Now, if you all know the Chronicles of Narnia, at the end of the first book, the four kids embrace their call. They are to be kings and queens of Narnia. And of course, my hero, Spider-Man, it didn't take him long to embrace his call of super awesomeness. And uh, I had to make sure he's in there. And uh, all these characters embraced the call. So what this looks like is instead of going, "Ah, should I go this way? Should I do this? I'm so wimpy. They all eventually leaned forward and pushed into their call. It's better to blunder forward than it is to blunder backwards. You know what I mean? You don't want God waiting there for you to come back so He can boot you which he will. It's called discipline. You don't want to wait for that. 
Oh, you're gonna. Oh, you're not gonna follow me. Come on, come on, punt. Right? You don't want that. You want to be pushing forward, and God's there picking you up, saying, "Good job, good job." So now this is where I'm going to talk about my son for a second. So we went to the father-son uh, um, retreat at New Life Bible Camp. He was the youngest kid there, seven years old. He's got a little yard sale piece of junk bike, right, that he rides. And everyone else had mountain bikes. And we did the whole trail around Rocky Gap, around the lake. And that little guy on his little bike hitting those root bumps, those big roots that are coming out, popping him into the air like popcorn. He's boom, 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 boom. And he wiped out. He had big bloody lines from scratches on the pricklies. And he completed that whole trail, right? The rest of us are in our sophisticated mountain bikes, 10 speeds, front-end shocks, right? And he, he just went through that whole thing like a trooper. Very proud of him. Did he get hurt? Yes. Did he cry? Yes. But he finished, and he finished well. And he didn't need any encouragement to finish. Matter of fact, he took some hills that I stopped and walked my bike down. Okay, he just went bam, and off he went down these hills. And I'm like, I'm walking. See you at the bottom. So, very proud of him. But that's what it means to move forward. And uh, give me an illustration to brag about my son. So, what about you? We're gonna un- we're gonna look at these seven chapters, and the question is, well, the truth is, you are created. You were chosen, and when God calls you, it's not like a, hey, what you think about me? It's not like that. When God calls you, you answer. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They know it, and they go. There is no other answer. All right? The only right answer, the only free will option, is to say yes, Jesus. All right? Because sin's not an ability. Being evil is not an ability. Um, so let's look at this. The Daily Grind of Life, Chapter 1, Ecclesiastes 2, and 23. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. All right. If that's all there is, right? And YOLO, you only live once in this sense, that's horrible. Really. I mean, we all like it. We all want our fun things. We want to enjoy things. And we want even our pain and suffering to have meaning. But if that's it... If there's no God, there's no greater things. If we don't live beyond our years on earth, doesn't that stink? Isn't that a big stinkeroo to you? Because it is to me. All right? And think of how many people are out there. What are they laboring for? Because at the end, it's just pain and suffering and grief, right? How many of our cars fix themselves? Right? We went out there and they repaired themselves. Thankful for the evolution of re- turning my car into a jet. Right? It doesn't exist. But everything breaks down. Even our bodies break down. Right? We get hurt. So the daily grind of life is challenged. And then here's, what, here's how the end of Ecclesiastes, that same thing about the meaning and purpose of life, the end of the matter for all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. See, there is a purpose. There's a way bigger purpose for the person who's listening, for the person who cares. Now, chapter 2 is the invitation. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to be adopted uh, to, for us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And why he did that? To the praise of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in the beloved. Let me unpack this really easily for you. I just want to point out something. God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. How is that for meaning and purpose? You are not here for the world, especially for the Christian. The world is here for you in that sense. Because God made you and the plan for you before he made the world. The setting is for you to come and realize how awesome God is and to love him. It's all about developing a love relationship with God. And God is very extravagant. He went way out of the way to create a place for you and I to exist so that we might discover Him and fall in love with Him. I mean, not only did He make this earth, but He made a whole universe and then put us in it so that we would realize how big He is. All right? And then that we would be holy and blameless before Him. God doesn't want to look at you and see your sin. All right? And He provided a way through Christ so that legally He can forgive and forget your sin. But if you think you're going to stand before God in your own righteousness, you're in big trouble because you don't have any. You and I have no righteousness we can put on the table for God. But God has a plan that we would be holy. Holy means set apart. So in the world of stupidness, God doesn't have to look at us and see us as stupid. And blameless. In other words, God doesn't want to hold you accountable for how evil you are. Okay? So He predestined us. He chose us and predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. How is that for meaning? Huh? That's pretty big. That's way bigger than what we're used to, <laughs> used to thinking about, right? That's some good stuff. And Christians can't say no to that. The person in their right mind goes, that's blooming awesome. I want Jesus. Because that just fulfilled everything of who I am and ever wanted to be and ever will be forever. I want Jesus. Now, after that, when a person comes to Christ, then they discover, whoa, the world is way bigger than what's on TV. And then in Luke 3, 21 and 22, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son and with you I am well pleased. 
what we begin to discover is two things. Is the, the world, the physical world, has a spiritual element to it. Not a mystical, weird, flying unicorns, weirdo, potpourri stuff. We're talking a real solid realm bigger than our realm. And first, there is a God. God is God. Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And in this verse, what we see are all three. We see Jesus coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, meaning not, not a flippity flap flap in those weird uh, New Age images you would see on a Google search, but the Holy Spirit, in essence, just some super awesomeness, and everybody saw this. And then God the Father spoke out of time and eternity, just and then said, You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased. There's all three right there. The Trinity. Alright? So there is a God. He's real. And there's also a spiritual world. And a spiritual battle. And uh, I have no idea because it all got chopped off. Oh yeah, Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, there is a one-third of all the angelic host, whenever, near the beginning of creation or whatever, fell. Don't ask me how that all happened. I'm still working on it. Um, And they're the bad guys in the story. And they only want one thing of you. Just don't believe in Jesus. No, No, you can believe in Jesus. Just don't trust in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus all day long. You can believe in Santa Claus all day long. Don't trust Jesus. Don't trust the Bible. Don't pick up don't read the Bible, you're good to go. That's all the devil has to do to win. Alright? And he's the winner. Because if you're not interested in the things of God, clearly you don't belong to God, and the devil wins. Because the devil hates you. Even though Friday nights is a party and sin, 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 the devil hates you. And if he can, he will kill you. All right. Just look at 55 million unborn children that have been dead since the 70s. Before they even got out of the womb, the devil made sure they were butchered. Yes. And the devil will kill you if he gets the chance, as long as you don't trust in Jesus. Okay. Now, the reason the devil hates you is because you and I are made in the image of God. And every time the devil can kill another human, he's telling God, up yours. And he wants to beat God. And if you ever read the book of Revelation, at the end, the devil's going to try to beat God one last time. And he's going to use every stupid human being on the planet who's willing to follow him, which is the majority of the human beings are going to go, Yeah, devil, let's aim our nukes at God. Really? That's how it ends. That, that stupid, right? Even though God's made it all, right? God made the laws of nuclear physics. You don't think God could say, I'm not going to let that law work today, because he could. But uh, I don't know if this is First or Second Peter 2.9 says, but you, but you, my favorite, we all know what these, these holy buts in the Bible, 
is the best. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See what God does? He says, you don't have to be stupid with them. Here, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take you, and I'll take you, and I'll take you, and here we go. You don't have to go with them. I'm saving you from that nonsense. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You had once not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, I would say passions, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Gentiles means anybody who's not a Jew. That would be all of us in this room. Okay? And when, when they mean Gentiles in general, they mean in this context, people who are unsaved, people who don't belong to God. So that when the people who don't belong to God speak evil against the people who belong to God, they still say, yeah, we, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he, he gave money, but he's still a bad guy. All right? And, and they're doing that right now. That lady who went to jail because that clerk, because she wouldn't sign marriage certificates for same-gender marriages, Right? She went to jail because she, she's like, I, I got to obey God over you. You guys changed the rules. God didn't. But she was the bad guy. And she never moved. And now the next chapter is you are special and have a special call. This is the meaning and purpose for life, the universe, and everything. And I have no idea how much that's cut off. But 5.17 through 5.21, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled. That's the key. God takes a bad person and then takes all their stupid badness, says, here, Jesus, hold on to this while I pin you to a cross and I kill you and punish you for the evil of everybody in this room. Jesus is willing to take your punishment that you deserve for hating God your whole life. And he's going to kill Jesus with it. Punish Jesus with it. And then what's going to happen is God's going to say, legally, Jesus paid your fine. You are now legally not guilty. And now there's no barrier between you and God the Father. That's what it means by being reconciled to God through Jesus. And then gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That means now go tell people that you're not going to hell even though you stink. And that they don't have to go to hell either even though they stink. That's our message. However you want to say it. Um, And then therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ... Be reconciled to God. Don't you want to be on God's good side? Yeah. Yeah, I want to be on God's good side. But look at this last one. For our sake. For whose sake? For our sake. He made him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. 
so that in Him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Now get this. I know I'm the worst evil sinner in this room. I know I am. That's, that's easy enough to say. Now, all right, good. Now we go. Another, that's the right idea. But, in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God. Well, who do you think you are, Jeff? Uh, I'm a loser. But in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God. And every one of you can say the same thing. Does that make sense? If you understand the gospel, that you... That'll throw people for a loop. Yeah, I'm the worst sinner. Yeah, I am the bad guy. Well, what about you? Yeah, you're right. Me. I'm the bad guy. But in Christ, I'm the righteousness of God. And it's all about I in that case. If you want to be, you want some I-ness, look who you are in Christ. And that's what's important. Okay? Now, the next chapter is old friends don't like the new you. Because you smell like Jesus, and to those who are perishing, Jesus is the stench of death. All right, I literally heard this on a podcast between a, an unrepentant preacher woman and a guy, and she's saying, oh, Jesus just wants us to love people. It doesn't matter what sin they're doing. Just live, 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 right? And the guy says, hey, the Scripture says you need to repent. The Scripture says you need to love Jesus. The Scripture says we always need to be repenting. And she literally said to him, what you're saying sounds like death. All he did was quote Bible verses. That's all he did. Who's not belonging to Christ? He's quoting God, and she says he sounds like death. So your old friends aren't necessarily going to like the fact that you're glowing in the dark in a spiritual sense and it, that you're exposing their sin, right? They got their sin, they love their sin, and don't you come around reminding them of that. So in First Peter 4, <laughs> Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh for us, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has um, suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh and no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Do we live for the will of God? God, what is your will for me that I might obey it? For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, and drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. They hate you. Why aren't you going to the party down by the river? Well... Because I love Jesus more and sensual living and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. What is your real gods? What are you worshiping? I, I can't. I have no part of this. I, it doesn't even click in my brain anymore. I love Jesus. Well, then you're a freak and we don't want you there. That's what the scripture is saying. Okay? And they malign you. They're surprised you don't want to join them. All right? 
They don't get it. So you lose your old friends. Then you get your new friends. Discover new friends who are special too. In Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, look at this uh, exhortation to uh, encourage the believers. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds or good works, not neglecting to meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. And immediately in the new church... Right? These were Jews following their Jewish Messiah, but the rest of the Jews didn't like that. So these people are coming together, and look what they did in Acts chapter 2, 42 and 44. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' preaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And it all came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. One thing I can tell you that's refreshing for Papa and the folks in this room is it's very encouraging to see you come out. Not the fact that you're coming out to hear something as much as that God, it's the evidence of God grabbing someone else in Papa and they have a same story, how God's grace saved them, how they love God, and it's a big, messy battle. Is your story messy? My story is very messy and filled with sin. But it's a story of Jesus saving me, right? And it's encouraging to know that God's doing that in other people. But that's an amazing coincidence if there's that many people God's doing that to. And not just in Papa, but across the country and across the world. The same story is taking place of God saving people despite themselves. That's really encouraging. So now, We come to the last chapter, um, embracing the call and purpose. And the real question is, what about you? Do you identify with any of the chapters in this book? Because this is the book of the Christian. It rings true to the young adult world because they they know it's a, a story they want for themselves. That's why it's so yummy to them. But they don't realize that that story is right there. It's probably sitting on their shelf somewhere as a Bible that they've never even thought of pulling out and reading. All right. So there they are wishing they had this higher calling and there was more to this world and that there was a greater, richer, deeper meaning. And then they reject God who's literally sitting on a shelf waiting for them. All right. What, where are you in this? So um, in John chapter 6, uh, 43 through 47, Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day, as it is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except him who is from God. That's Jesus. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now when Jesus says again, truly, truly, what do you think he means? I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. All right. Let's unpack this a little better. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. What you, I want you to encourage you to do a spiritual inventory in your mind right now. Have you ever, ever thought, thunk about, felt, craved, wanted something more than what you got? And have you sensed, felt, thought, considered the Bible, the words in that book, cracked it open ever, done anything like that? Okay? Because if it's a complete flat line, I'm terrified for you because God, whoever God calls, hears and answers. The, the Whoever God calls never turns away because they can't because there's only one right answer. Do you understand? Because the person's finally in their right mind. No one in their right mind says, I don't want you, Jesus. That ha- you know that that person is still a spiritual monster and God-hater. And if they could fight and kill God, they would. Matter of fact, they did it to Jesus. They knew Jesus was God. And they loved to spit on him and punch him and, and whip him. And when he was pinned up there on the cross, only a few people were weeping for him. Everyone else was going, finally, we're killing God. He's been a, a downer since I could remember knowing he existed. In Romans 1, it says that humans suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. In other words, everybody can look at anything created by God and know God did it. And then they say, no, no, it's not God. It's big cosmic accident, evolution. Evolution's my religion. No God. Where are you in your heart, in your mind? I want you to understand something. It's God's universe. In God's universe, in God's solar system, on God's planet... In God's country, America, it could be in another country, in the body God gave you. Did you give yourself your body? Did anyone here give themselves their body? I hope you all said no. Okay? Somebody gave it to you, and guess what? Your parents didn't give you your body. Okay? God gave you your body. What part of your daily schedule is set aside for God's will? Okay. If everything is made for God's glory and God's will, including you, and right now, I bet everyone in this room just took a breath, which means God provided air to keep your body sustained. <sighs> did you design that concept? No, God did. So you belong to God, and He's even allowing you to live right now. How much of your busy, super awesome you life are you given to God? All right? Two slides and we're done. And then we're going to have a song. Um, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but, the, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. 
We do not go to heaven on good works. God is not going to judge you on a scale of right and wrong. And if you got enough good, you're going to heaven. That's the lie. Every other religion on the planet says that. God's going to ask you one question. You clearly broke every law I ever had at all times. You deserve punishment in hell for eternity. What did you do with my son? Was he a cuss word? Or was he your savior? All right? That's all that's going to matter. For the Christian, the great command, the great commission. This is your compass. See? Here's the meaning and purpose of life, the universe, and everything right here. Look at this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Is that bad? Is that really too much? Is it? That's pretty awesome. As a matter of fact, for the person who has no sin, when we're in our glorified bodies on the other side of this sin-cursed world, this is going to be the party of parties. You can't sin in heaven, but the pleasure and amazing, awesome, super awesome, awesomeness is going to be awesome! <laughs> right? In heaven! It's what we're made for, to love God. Is that so bad that God wants you to love Him? Is Why do we fight? To, I don't want to love you today, God. i got my own plans and you're not part of it. So when with this little compass. This is your moral compass. And I want to ask you a couple questions on that. How does your story go from here? You know what the Christian story is. Are you going to leave and go in another direction? Um, you're not alone, and there is, is, this is not the end of your story if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, you will be alone forever. God will hate you, and God's anger and judgment will be forever on you. And it's, it's the end. It stinks. But for the Christian, it's awesome. It is that you're never, ever, ever alone. God the Father is with you. God the Holy Spirit with you. Jesus is with you. There are other Christians who are saved who get it and are with you. And your story goes on and on and on. And it just gets better and better and better. But on earth, God gave us this little compass to worship Him, to minister, to evangelize, fellowship and discipleship. That's our compass. Now, if you're going... Jeff, no matter what you preach about, you always end up here. That's right. If there's any ever thing I'd never ever want you to forget, because I'm going to be held accountable to God, is that when you leave here, Christians, you've got that moral compass. And every week I give you an opportunity to remind you that am I adjusting my course to go the way God has commanded me? Because that's the only option for the Christian. And it's a refreshing time to go, all right, let's dial in. Hmm, this week, do I got to make some adjustments? It's what a blessing. What, a, what an ought to. I get to. I get to. There, that uh, that father-son thing ends today, like at 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I said, yeah, we're leaving Saturday night. Me and my son, we didn't get home until 10. And uh, Javin slept, walked in the house. It's pretty funny. But that was besides the point. The whole idea is, 
There is nothing more important to me than getting here to church. I get to study the Bible and I get to tell everybody. There ain't nothing stopping me from that by the grace of God. From Bibles websites to theology, apps to blogs, there are so many fantastic resources for Christians. Get the latest news and reviews on what is out there to help you grow in Christ. The Deacon.com. Truth is here.